Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bear Necessities Podcast, the number one Bears podcast on Apple Podcasts for Bears news, analysis, and conversation. I'm your host, Austin, and founder of Halstead Collective, a new and innovative voice in Chicago sports media. And as always, we will be joined by my co-host, Reese, in just a minute. In today's episode, we're going to be discussing some of the quick topics for the week, including Bears' recent signings and Kyle Long moving to the CBS analyst booth. And then we're going to be going into our main topic topics which involve Ravens releasing Earl Thomas and a lot of Bears fans calling for the team to sign the disgruntled safety. Following that, we're going to be getting into the run game still having some issues and tight ends Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet absolutely standing out in training camp as major playmakers. Towards the end of the show, we're going to be getting into some news relating to the quarterbacks, both Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles, how the quarterback competition is shaping out and what the benefits are for each of the quarterbacks. To wrap up the show, we're going to just give our final thoughts on the offense so far and how confident we are that we will see a Bears team with a competent offense in the 2020 NFL season. But before we get into the show, we just wanted to ask you guys to please leave a rating and review in the bottom of Apple Podcasts. It helps us out tremendously as it helps our podcast get in front of other listeners, which ultimately in the future will just lead to us being able to improve the quality of the podcast for all of our listeners. One last note before you get into the episode, please go ahead and check us out on YouTube if you haven't already, or if you're not coming from our YouTube channel at Chicago Bear Necessities, Chicago Bears Podcast. The link to our YouTube will be in our channel description, so thank you guys so much, and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bear Necessities Podcast. How's it going, Reese? It's going pretty good. Uh, just uh, getting started with school and all that, so it's been... Uh, been interesting a little bit busy of a week but definitely uh good to be back here with the podcast yeah and this is the first time that uh we haven't posted an episode in a week on uh, unbelievable actually it hasn't even been a week it's been like six days and it just seems like uh, i have nothing to do now <laughs> yeah yeah it's been a bit of a layoff but uh it's definitely definitely been good to kind of get a little bit of time to let the ideas refresh a bit because you know when we've been going at it with uh as much of the bears news as we have recently you know we are getting a little bit of everything going on so it's good to uh kind of have a bit of a refresh of ideas and start up with some uh some new storylines yeah absolutely and we're using this time really valuably to really just kind of focus on how we can improve the podcast before the season and kind of focus on things that you know, we don't necessarily focus on when we're putting out so much content. It's It can be kind of hard to focus on like the administrative aspects of running a podcast when you're, you know, constantly putting out content. So we want to make sure we have all that in order uh, before the season. So that's kind of what we're doing on our break here. And then also, uh, we actually have an increase in microphone quality. Hopefully you guys can hear it. Um, I actually upgraded my microphone. And Reese, I know you're talking about upgrading your microphone soon. So we're going to have huge quality increases over the next couple weeks or maybe like a month's time period Um, but also please uh, (laughs) please uh, let us make some mistakes it's going to be kind of interesting getting used to a new microphone and how to use it especially uh, I actually switched to an XLR microphone which comes with a lot of different complexities so Um, but ultimately I am excited to uh, to really see how the bears are doing this week yeah, I mean, we've gotten quite a bit of information from camp, and it seems like uh, most of what we've 
heard has been good. I know we're going to get uh, deep into it, so I'm not going to try to spoil everything. But, you know, at least on the offensive side, it seems like things are going a bit better than they have in the past. Um, you know, defense from the same, of course, you know, of course you have your negative storylines that go along as well. So it's, uh, it's been, there's been a lot of takeaways and a lot of things to go over over the past few days. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's get right into the quick topics over the past week. The first thing, the Chicago bears signed once again, Alex Wesley, who was with us, uh, in December, I believe for a little bit of time. And we also released Trevor Davis with that move. Um, kind of a underrating or an, a not too exciting move um, for the Chicago Bears. No big signing here by any regards, but still, it's interesting to see that the Chicago Bears are kind of rotating in and out these wide receivers. This is the second wide receiver signing so far, so far based on a tryout basis during camp. Yeah, I mean, what will come of it uh, is not 100% sure. Like you said, Wesley, you know, did have a brief stint with this team prior, so. You know, it's not something we're expecting to see, you know, starting or getting a lot of game time. But, you know, every roster spot today in today's NFL is very valuable. So even just making it on a team, you know, and being part of that 53-man roster is it's a tough decision, but they're all very important decisions. Absolutely. And, you know, it's kind of interesting to see how the bottom of this roster is going to kind of go about. I do not expect Alex Wesley to make this roster, unfortunately, but something that I kind of also was looking at is they're kind of adding some guys with some speed, maybe still looking to see if they can replace that Taylor Gabriel mold. I don't know how Ted Ginn's doing. Haven't heard too much about him, but um, ultimately, hopefully we can find what we need there. Let's go ahead and move on real quick. Kyle Long, uh, he's finally moving into the analyst booth. He's someone who was featured a lot on NFL Network and all different types of shows, kind of as a spokesperson for the Bears, almost like a not to the same extent, but kind of like a Brian Urlacher type of move uh, by Kyle Long there. Yeah, um, you know, he definitely has a voice for it. I think that he'll fit in well in the booth. And it's always interesting, I think, that, you know, what we've seen with Tony Romo having, you know, pretty recent players take over some kind of, uh, you know, calls from the booth for CBS. I think it's worked out pretty well for him. I know I personally, I like hearing Tony Romo. And I think that Kyle Long will be a, a little bit of the same. You know, it's always good to get someone that has a, a very modern, very in-touch perspective with everything that's going on in the league. Absolutely. And, you know, with Kyle Long, I always find it interesting to see what he has to say about the Bears. Obviously, someone who was just with us only a year ago. And uh, yeah, he is someone who I think is going to fit perfectly in the booth. It's going to be exciting to see what he has to say. I'm sure they're going to have him on for every single Bears segment, similar to how they have Erlacher. Um, So really, it's going to just be, you know, I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it for the season. Next, there was a COVID scare uh, with the Chicago Bears. Matt Nagy woke up to eight players testing positive at 2.30 a.m., and uh, it turned out all of them were false negatives. This happened to a bunch of different teams across the NFL, um, and uh, it was a big scare in the NFL. It looked like the lab that they were doing their testing with actually had some sort of mishap there uh, that was just reporting a ton of false positives, but on the positive news, it actually turned out that over the past week, zero NFL players tested positive for COVID-19. Yeah, and that's... uh... I mean, that's a pretty remarkable number right there. As with the false positives, I mean, it's going to be something that this league is going to have to to monitor very closely. I mean, you know, a false false positive, well, in the long run, isn't necessarily harmful because you're not endangering anyone. When it comes to, like, game week, you know, when players are either missing, you know, practices that are extremely valuable or even if it 
you know, comes to game time where they're using these kind of tests and they're deciding who gets to play, you know, on be it a Sunday, you know, Monday night, Thursday night, whenever it is, they can't be having these false positives popping up all the time and taking out, you know, players that, you know, could and should be playing since they're healthy. Absolutely. And we talked about that extensively in a previous episode, just what happens if the Chicago Bears, you know, what happens if something like this happens right before a game? It's a very scary possibility that could occur this NFL year. And something that I don't think a ton of NFL officials have uh, really understood how they can handle yet. So, I mean, it kind of scares me, but at the same time, I'm happy that they can take this corrective measure. And, you know, maybe because this happened, they'll take some other sort of, you know, corrective measure um, before games or maybe they'll have two different facilities they'll test at or something like that there's hopefully there's some sort of adjustment because of this yeah i hope so and i'm not sure you know like you said it seemed like maybe something happened in that particular lab that the nfl gets this these tests from you know whether it was like a one-off incident you know there needs to you know it needs to be made sure that those kind of incidents are minimized or you know never happen again just because you know Right. You know, there's so many big things that are going on in society right now and sports might not seem like the biggest priority, but, you know, sports are, you know, a huge part of culture and all that. So it's best off for, you know, the NFL and for, you know, people wanting to see the best players playing every Sunday for that entertainment value that the NFL gets the most accurate and precise test that they possibly can. Absolutely. So hopefully they make those adjustments, but, you know, it's all uh, it's all in the past. Hopefully, we'll just be able to move forward uh, better and stronger than ever. So our final little quick tidbit, Allen Robinson and Akeem Hicks are currently dealing with injuries. Both don't seem to be much of a concern. Allen Robinson with an ankle, Akeem Hicks with a quad. Um, Matt Nagy is not concerned, he said. So no worries on that regard. But a, a big question that you know I've sort of been pondering with the Chicago Bears and a lot of NFL teams across the league is just why has there been so many soft tissue injuries it seems like every single team is dealing with a whole host of them and it seems like it probably is mainly because um just like players not having the full off season and you know there's always some injuries when you get back to camp you'll always see a couple players tear their acl or 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 do or do something thankfully we only had you know Artie burns which was unfortunate for us but could have been worse um so yeah is there something that matt Nagy or the chicago bears are doing wrong are they ramping up practice too quickly and is Matt Nagy kind of making any adjustments to kind of deal with these injuries they've been seeing? Yeah, I, I, this is a tough point, right? Because I, I think the predicament that most NFL teams are in, or just about all of them are in, is that you know they didn't have the offseason OTAs and they didn't have the mini camp, so they kind of need to ramp up things pretty fast, and they have a limited offseason. You know, they don't have any preseason games to make any evaluations on. So the training camp is more important than ever. So, you know, with the intensity going up, you kind of want to foster that and keep that going because a good training camp, you know, has that high intensity. Players are working hard to better themselves and their teammates. But then at the same time, it's none of these players have probably conditioned in the way that they usually have. And they may have been making their best effort, but they weren't in the team buildings. They weren't going through those reps earlier in the off season. So now, you know, when they're ramping things up very quick, you know, they're getting a lot of these injuries. So it doesn't surprise me one bit. And I don't think there's much that Nagy can do about this. I think he kind of needs to keep riding this, you know, wave this positive, you know, training camp. I think they've had so far, 
So you kind of just have to go and, and hope and hope that you know the condition of your players has kind of caught on over the past couple of weeks now. Absolutely, and you know that's probably all that can be said about that topic as well. That's why we include it in the quick topics. I just hope to see that there isn't any more injuries and that things are kind of you know going okay for the rest of camp. I know Eddie Pinheiro is also dealing with a groin injury, which led to the Bears signing Cairo Santos, a familiar name with the team, but. Thankfully, nothing too drastic so far, and we're definitely um, above average as far as when it comes to dealing with injuries uh, for all teams right now. So let's go ahead and move on to our first major topic. The Ravens are releasing Earl Thomas, a player who I believe just made the NFL Top 100 this season, did a really good job with the Ravens. A lot of people were kind of rooting against him, but Apparently, Thomas got into a fight with his teammate in camp and was not showing up to a lot of team meetings or was late to many meetings. So I've seen on Twitter a ton of people saying that the Chicago Bears should sign him. So Reese, I'm going to go ahead and let you kick this one off. What's your first initial thoughts about the Bears potentially signing Earl Thomas? Yeah, I mean, Earl Thomas is, like you said, someone that has a lot of talent, you know, recently making the NFL Top 100 I think with the Ravens, he wasn't the best system fit there. But then again, he had that talent and he kind of let that, you know, play through, even though he wasn't the best scheme fit in that defense. Um, as for the Bears picking him up, you know, I, I think that currently the Bears on their defense, I think with Tashawn Gibson or um, Dion Bush, who is going to take that opposite of Eddie Jackson, you know, I think that they're going to do a better job, honestly, than Earl Thomas would. I don't think the Bears need to go out and get them. You know, Earl Thomas, someone that, you know, he can lay the big hit. He can play up in the box. But I feel like he kind of wouldn't complement Eddie Jackson as good as what the Bears have on their roster right now. I mean, I think what we said about Deshaun Gibson a lot in the offseason, saying that he's a perfect pairing, you know, very much willing to step there in the box and, you know, do what haha Clinton Dix wasn't really willing or able to do last season and which made Eddie Jackson take over a lot of those responsibilities. I think that Earl, uh, Earl Thomas would be a little bit of the same in that, right? Yeah. And you know, I would be, if, if the bears did sign Earl Thomas, I'd be very cautiously optimistic just solely because I can't even imagine how good a backfield with him and Eddie Jackson would be. I think that he could potentially play, you know, more up in the box, more midfield type of game and have Eddie Jackson, you know, stay in the back. I think he could fill that role uh, again. You know, maybe Treshawn Gibson is a slightly better fit in that regard, but there's there's no arguing that Earl Thomas is definitely a better player than Treshawn Gibson. And, you know, he is a stud when he plays, but the issue is really he's a locker room cancer at this point. Like, I don't even think that's an overreaction. That term is kind of thrown around too much in the NFL, in my opinion, but I mean, he had a personal issue this past uh, this past summer where he had the cops called to his house and, you know, some issues with that. And then also um, just all these specifically team inflicted issues, like issues that are that affect the team specifically. That's that's what's uh, that's what's an issue for me. If it was more, you know, external issues and stuff that's maybe, you know, sometimes the NFL teams can overreact to that stuff like in my opinion, kind of similar to like Josh Gordon, um, where people are really kind of blackballing him where I don't know if he necessarily should have been blackballed from the league. Um, but that's not what it is. It's a, it is issues that is affecting his team. And that's, that's a huge issue to me. So ultimately I would not want the Chicago bears to sign him, 
despite the type of player he is. And I, hey, I think what speaks most about it, the Ravens who were who got to the playoffs this past year, they were trying to make a Super Bowl run. They voluntarily let go of him when they don't even have, you know, Tony Jefferson. They didn't even bring him back. They don't have a ton of talent in that DB core um, at this point, thanks to, uh, or at least, sorry, in the safety core at this point. So that's a concern for me. That's definitely a concern for me. Yeah, and unless the Ravens can get some kind of forgiveness from the league, I believe that they're out $15 million in cap space. And as a team that's looking to contend, uh, you know, for a Super Bowl in this coming year, I mean, that's a big hit. And yeah, they're still, you know, want they still letting him go under their own will. Um, like you said, I mean, yeah, there's no question at this point that he in in the locker room can be a, a major disruptive force. Of course, he didn't leave um, Seattle in the best way either. You know, he's getting carted off for the injury and he flicked off uh, Pete Carroll. And I think that was a s- <laughs> symbolic to the whole upper management as well. So I, I think that, you know, when things don't go his way, you know, they usually end up very poorly. And if you think about it, I think we talked about this in some decent depth in the past is, you know, last season with everything that was going on with how bad it was looking at some points, you know, those 2019 Bears, they kept it pretty calm in the media and did a really good job of, you know, still putting off a good media presence and still looking good in the public eye, even though things were going so poorly. Like that locker room could have been a mess. Now, if you throw someone like Earl Thomas in there, there's no quite, there's no like, I don't even, you, that could have spiraled out so quickly. You know, it's just a testament to the kind of character that I think the Bears have in their locker room. And I think you can take shots with people that have, you know, maybe the, not the most perfect background and everything. But yeah, Earl Thomas is a little bit of kind of a proven liability at this point. Yeah, exactly. And he's almost approaching that sort of Antonio Brown type level where you just can't really win with him probably and he's just the the stress that he puts on the team is you know distraction from football operations and it has players against him and it would just be a not pretty sight and you know it was kind of funny because Ian Rappaport this morning he put out uh, something saying that hey even the Dallas Cowboys are not interested in Earl Thomas which you know Jerry Jones went back on and quickly corrected him saying that he doesn't know what he's talking about so it looks like the Dallas Cowboys might be finding their own safety there he also notably told Jason Garrett to come after him in free agency um during when he was with the Seahawks and he had to get they had a game against the Cowboys so um yeah kind of a whole issue kind of a underrated character issue guy in the NFL and again I brought up Josh Gordon I'd be much more happier if the Bears went out and decided to give Josh Gordon a chance than I would with Earl Thomas so I mean I think that's about again all that can be said about that I do not side with Bears fans it seems like Bears fans always want us to go after the guys who aren't necessarily the best character guys and they don't even realize that the front office just does not like to do that even with you know people who again have you know shaky starts they don't really like to go after guys like that yeah and i understand it at the same time i think that it can be a bit of a crutch you know not every great nfl player is this amazing person as well and and they don't have to be you know i mean I, i think there's a lot of players out there with you know Maybe some, they're not the best character guys or the best, not the best locker room fit, but they'll go out there and win you games. Now, I think that Earl Thomas is a step beyond that and that, yeah, he doesn't, you know, kind of is a self-inflicted wound when you, when you pick him up. 
at the same time, yeah, I mean, people that speculate this, it kind of just runs against the whole grain of the Bears franchise as a whole, and at least that the the image they try to give off publicly. Yeah, and you know, the Bears really do pride themselves on not only being a historic franchise, but a franchise known for having a lot of great character guys through all of their runs in the Super Bowl playoffs. Um, it really only seems like for when we had Martellus Bennett and uh, Brandon Marshall that that became an issue for us uh, not all that long ago. But again, uh, something that I think Ryan Pace also learned from. I, know, I remember at that point we were ha- hearing reports that coaches were crying in the locker room. And uh, that was uh, not a good time in Bears <laughs> history. So uh, I, I think we can go ahead and wrap that up. I'm going to give my stamp of approval for the Bears for not making a move on this right now. Um, but I guess we'll see in the future if they uh, make me eat my words. So going into our training camp news, which is we're very lucky to have right now, you know, uh, it seems like we're kind of getting less and less as camp goes on. I don't know if the Bears are kind of making their media restrictions increase or whatever. But right now, from what it seems like, the run game is still not doing the Bears any justice. And although we've seen a lot of positive news through camp so far, the running back position has still been less than ideal. Uh, Reports have been that the run game has not had the best performances. And, you know, keep that in mind because we have arguably the best defensive line in football. So uh, obviously they're going against some really tough players like Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks. And, you know, Bilal Nichols reports that Roy Robertson Harris is doing really well in camp this year so far too. But I just wanted to kind of talk about how this is going to be a real issue for the Chicago Bears if we can't get this thing going. Yeah, no, I think it's something that, you know, you and I have banked on quite a bit and kind of this team's outlook for success in this coming year. I think that, you know, for them to succeed, running the football has to be a big part of what they're doing well. And I think you and I have kind of said, you know, they'll figure it out even though they didn't really make too many changes along the offensive line. But, you know, a new offensive line coach in Juan Castillo, you know, maybe he'll right the ship and get things going where it needs to go. And right, like you said, we haven't really quite seen what we wanted. And I think that it really boils down to offensive line issues. I think we can look at that backfield and, you know, Montgomery isn't a perfect back, but I think that, you know, us as Bears fans kind of know that he has the talent, he has the ability to, to run well, especially in between the tackles. So a lot of it comes into what's happening in front of him and the amount of time he's getting to make decisions. And, you know, it's just it's still not happening, which is very frustrating. Yeah, this is going to be a huge issue for the Chicago Bears this year if they can still not get any sort of run game production. And it's going to reflect really negatively on Matt Nagy, especially when he was coming to Chicago with a huge year uh, for Kareem Hunt when he was play calling for him. They did really, really good with him. Um, Obviously, some statements made about the playoff game and his usage there. So usage concerns is not necessarily uh, uh, a very, you know, something that Matt Nagy isn't accustomed to, but at the same time, Matt Nagy did have Kareem Hunt for a huge season of his, made him look like an amazing player that season. Um, And really, my concern is, is this the offensive line or is this the personnel we have at the running back position? And I think that it can be a little bit of both, but I've been kind of trying to weigh the options. Is it the offensive line? Is it the running back? I kind of have been leaning towards more probably offensive line issues because I know you can find running backs that can, you know, do better than what the offensive line uh, gives them. But 
at the end of the day, when you don't have a hold and run through, especially if you're more of a player that operates off their vision and lateral quickness and really twitchy ability like David Montgomery, you're going to have a hard time. David Montgomery isn't necessarily a speedster. He can't just take a little hole and, you know, make the most out of it. He really has to, you have to kind of give him a good enough hole and then he can make his money after that. So what do you, I don't, I don't know what you attribute it to more though, Reese. Yeah, that's what I was kind of saying before is I, I think it's mostly on the offensive line, right? I think that just the shift in it, the small shift in personnel that we've seen, and even with the new offensive line coach and Castillo, I think that, you know, it's still a little too much of the same. Now we'll have to see how it progresses throughout the season. They're going to have to do some some adapting once they uh, once they actually get some game footage and a feel for what opposing defenses are doing against them because, you know, you made a good point about how it goes in training camp. I mean, it, you do get a sense of familiarity when you're playing against, you know, if you're the Bears defense playing against the Bears offense and kind of knowing to, what to expect. So it's not always the best judgment, but at the same time, I think that most of it does fall on the offensive line. I think that, like I said, David Montgomery isn't perfect. I, I think that he's good enough, though, you know, with a decent offensive line to, to go out there and make some good things happen. And I think it's just disappointing mostly overall because I think the Chicago Bears are relatively known as a franchise that runs the ball pretty well. Even in our worst years, we've generally found pretty good running backs. I mean, Matt Forte was honestly probably, you know, in the franchise's terms, you know, going to be kind of underrated just because of how many great running backs there have been. But he had, you know, a very good stretch of uh, very successful football in the league. So, you know, whether you go back to there or Thomas Jones or, you know, a litany of other good running backs, it, it's just kind of a shame that it seems like that's kind of died off. And it, in a way, it's a product of what the NFL is today. But as we talked about before, some of the best football teams out there are running the football more than ever. So, Well, that kind of, you know, hammers on the head my concern for this team right now. It's like, why, why are we not, you know, addressing the offensive line more? Why are we so, why are we so insistent on keeping the personnel we brought in and not really looking in free agency to improve this? We have $20 million in cap space right now. That's quite a bit. That's really good for a team right now. And that's partially because of players we had opt out, which was unfortunate for us. But hey, we can go out and sign, you know, Josh Klein, who's probably going to get like a $5 million a year contract, something very reasonable, especially for his performance. He did a good job with the Vikings there as well. And, you know, why don't we add another running back? I think that, you know, Reese, you and I have really been calling for the Bears to add someone with maybe a little bit more consistent and proven talent at that position rather than rely on young players having seasons that they have not had yet. So someone I kind of look at maybe as a potential ad for us would be, you know, Leonard Fournette. And I know that this might be a bit of a shocker because he hasn't performed all that great so far. And he has, you know, issues that he can be uh, described with as well. Some character concerns there, locker room concerns there as well. But it looks like through camp so far, he's really kind of changed his mentality with the Jacksonville Jaguars and he's been working harder. And, you know, he's definitely someone who comes with a level of proven production and could provide us a running back who is a probably faster than anyone we have on the roster, even though he's not necessarily or I mean, obviously, besides Street Cohen, but like a regular build running back that's fast. And then also a guy who has a ton of power as well. I think he'd be a great addition to this running back room. Yeah. And I mean, kind of off that line, you know, um, it's not like, you know, he's had the best offensive line down there in Jacksonville either, you know. So Quite he would kind of, Yeah. So he would be kind of, you know, maybe even in a better situation than he was before. 
I don't know if Leonard Fournette in particular is the solution to it, but I agree with the sentiment of it. And I think that, you know, Leonard Fournette does pose an interesting person. Whenever you bring up someone like him where it seems like his potential hasn't been fully tapped into yet, you know, you feel like there's still a little something extra there, you know, kind of like an elite level season or two from him that can be scraped out. So, you know, he's kind of an interesting idea, but I think there's, you know, quite a few people. I mean, we talked about Devonta Freeman in the past, you know, not sure if he's still out there as a free agent target or not. Oh, he is. But, um, you know, like even someone along his lines where, right, he does bring that different element of speed as opposed to a regular running back. But I, I think that there's options out there, and I think they can go out and play on it. But I think that Artavis Pierce, if they end up relying on the him, won't be an, an awful, um, you know, an awful person to plug into that position. I just, I'm still starving for proven production, a proven player, someone to really add to this running back crew that doesn't have a notable name there to kind of lead them and show them how to play the game. I mean, you look at, we're going to actually about to get to him in a minute, but Jimmy Graham, how he, what he's doing for Cole Komet, he's kind of able to mentor him, help him along uh, the ropes. And really, I mean, we brought in Mike Davis last year, but is that really a good guy you want David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen to learn from? Not in my opinion. So, and hey, I'm not going to say that, you know, <laughs> Leonard Fournette would potentially be the most helpful and best locker room guy either. I think actually quite the opposite, but maybe someone like a Devante Freeman bringing him in could really also help mentor these younger running backs. Yeah, I mean, that mentorship, like that kind of aspect, I didn't really think about that. But yeah, it's definitely something we have seen in this camp already. And I think that it's something that the best teams in the league, you know, have you know i think that there's a reason why you know so many of those quarterbacks that pumped out of new england they're able to get a lot for them i mean it's not too often what i mean that was like four years ago they had tom brady jacoby Brissett, and um jimmy garoppolo who have all been starters you know obviously in the case of tom brady but you know jacoby Brissett getting starting time in indianapolis and of course garoppolo being the starting quarterback for the 49ers i mean they had three starting quarterbacks on their roster and I think a lot of that has to go from, you know, A, good coaching, but also mentorship, you know. And there's also a video out there, I think, you know, our division rivals with the Packers of, you know, Aaron Rodgers coaching up Jordan Love a little bit in training camp when he wasn't hitting, you know, the ball into the basket and a couple of those warm-up drills. And Aaron Rodgers kind of led by example and just sunk two right in a row, like, (laughs) very easily. So I think there's something to be said for that for sure. All right, so enough with the negative news. Let's go ahead and focus on some positives that we've been seeing at Bears training camp. And the first one, which, you know, it's it's not a huge shock because we invested a ton of money here uh, at the position, but the tight ends are really wrecking through the camp. They are looking unstoppable. Jimmy Graham is looking like a stud. Cole Komet is looking like a stud as well. You know, Eric Saubert is someone who stand out a lot. You know, Demetrius Harris, although he's not been super flashy, apparently he's been doing a really good job blocking and being more of a blocking tight end that can also catch the ball a little bit. Um, and And the interesting thing about this is like, normally I'm pretty hesitant with my, you know, camp hype, but uh, from what I've been hearing from reporters, not only is Komet and Graham dominating, but they're doing so against our first stringers. So they're catching balls over Kyle Fuller, Eddie Jackson, and they are, you know, really taking advantage of them, which is kind of crazy to hear. So it kind of gives me more faith that this news is actually going to translate over to the field. But I just want to kind of emphasize what this could mean for our offense 
Uh, we're probably going to see a ton of two tight end sets. We're going to hopefully see a lot less concentration in the box than we did last year. I mean, we talk about the run game. David Montgomery went up against some of the most stacked boxes in the NFL. Uh, having good tight end production will keep linebackers and safeties true, which will also help us, obviously, with some blitz packages. Um, and then also the, the run game and offensive line should just see a big increase in performance overall. So, I mean, really a lot of positive news if this actually translates over to the field. Reese, do you think that this is just training camp hype or do you think that this can actually translate over to the field? I think a part of it is training camp hype, right? But I think there's a decent amount of it. This is by far the most talented the Bears have had at this position in a long while. I mean, ever since, you know, they had Zach Miller, but it's even better than that at this point or even Martellus Bennett. You know, I, I think that, with Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet, you know, those two, the, the clear-cut starters, I think they have a very good skill set that complements each other. You know, of course, Jimmy Graham is more of that jump ball tight end, but he can go up there and make the play for you. And Cole Komet's more of the balanced, but balanced, but still very good at receiving, very capable at blocking. You know, they complement each other, I think, you know, very well in a modern-day NFL offense, especially if the Bears are going to be running, you know, two tight end sets. Both of them are lethal as, you know, pass catchers. And also, you know, Colcomet can be used as, you know, a blocker to, you know, help pinch in on a defensive end or block an outside linebacker. So I think that's invaluable. And, you know, I, just, I was just thinking, too, you know, a lot of – a lot of great NFL offenses and great, you know, quarterback-driven uh, offenses have, you know, really good tight ends. And so it's a focal point of, you know, the Chicago Bears offense, of course, you know, especially under Matt Nagy. But I, I think, you know, this is something that Mitchell Trubisky hasn't really had the, you know, he had Trey Burton, but, you know, how much do you really value that? I mean, come on. I think this would be pretty big for Mitchell Trubisky heading into the, next season because you think about you know Mahomes has Kelsey and uh you know what else I mean of course you attribute Brady to Gronk and a lot of these other great you know Philip Rivers with those eagle tight ends yeah of course Nick Foles during the Super Bowl with them yeah and you know Philip Rivers had Antonio Gates in the early part of his career which helped him a lot so it's really I think it's important almost in development of a quarterback and in this case Mitchell Trubisky as well yeah, and I don't want to, you know, overplay this because yes, it is only training camp, but we have a lot of reasons to be excited for this duo here. Um, people are saying that they are definitely leading the offensive, you know, improvement that we've been seeing so far in training camp. And if this translates over to the field during regular season games, it's gonna be absolutely huge for us. It's gonna really trend it's really gonna change how the offense plays and it's gonna help, you know compensate for some less than the best quarterback play that we're probably going to see um, from either Mitchell Trubisky or Nick Foles. It's going to really help us with that. It's going to help us with our efficiency. Uh, overall, we talk about this consistently, Reese, just how inefficient the Bears are. They're kind of spark and then slow down, uh, I think is a good way to describe their offense last year. You'd see them at times be moving the ball really well, and then all of a sudden they just stall which is a huge issue uh, in modern day NFL where so much about it is efficiency. You look at how the Patriots 
really took over the NFL for 20 years. And that's because they did a great job with their efficiency. With Tom Brady, yes, you would see here or there that he'd make these insane throws. But for the most part, it was it was death by a million paper cuts, you know. And then also these tight ends, are they're going to help us with our third down efficiency, which was awful last year, something that we really needed to focus on. And then also red zone efficiency, which was absolutely garbage last year. Yeah, I mean... You know, I can. I hope, and I think it's reasonable to expect. You know, those numbers to go to go up, especially on third down conversion rate and um, red zone conversion rate. You know, it's simply into more touchdowns. And like you said, those are two of the biggest needs for this offense. You know, last year, and, and you know, have we seen in the whole time with Nagy, and we we have not been able to stress enough how much the red zone efficiency needs to improve for this team to succeed. So I, you know, I really hope that that you know continues to to be the case with these tight ends and that they continue to blow us away because obviously it's important in Nagy's offense to get that going. And I think that, you know, it can only help uh, Mitchell Trubisky and his development with, uh, with the bears. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely going to take the pressure off of the quarterback a little bit. They say that a young or not the best quarterback's best friend is his tight ends and is a running back. Unfortunately, so far, it doesn't look like we have the running game for our quarterbacks yet, but hopefully that develops. And then, hey, these tight ends, they should help take the pressure a little bit off of our quarterbacks, help, you know, defenses stay true to what we're running. Um, And ultimately, it's just going to be a major change, something that we've never seen before with Matt Nagy. Hey, even when we had, you know, Trey Burton in 2018, Nagy was using him efficiently and effectively. Um, We got the best that I think anyone probably could have out of Trey Burton. Um, so it's going to be really important for these tight ends to actually transmit this to the field. And hey, if we have good blocking, that's great too from Demetrius Harris, Eric Saubert, someone who that who we weren't necessarily looking at as to making the team originally, if you remember in our 53-man roster yeah. predictions video or segment, um, he's looking good too. So it looks like we're really going to have a tough time also rounding out the bottom of this roster, really finding out who's going to be on this team. And something that some great quote that I heard from a bears beat reporter is that this tight end position looks like it's 30 pounds heavier and three inches taller all across the board. Yeah. Which is good news for this. I mean, uh, that's good to have big physical tight ends while they're, it's they're utilizing that strength and pass catching or blocking you know, being able to add that extra strength, which I think is something that, you know, NFL offenses these days are much more, you know, speed focused, you know, especially with the likes of, you know, those like Tyreek Hill in this league or, you know, even someone like, um, I'm blanking on it. Oh, <laughs> I'm blanking on his name. Uh, or Taylor Gabriel. There we go. You know, who the Bears had for a solid couple of years under Nagy you know I I think that you know having that strength as well something that's very understated and it's only going to help this offense yeah and Taylor Gabriel still not signed currently so uh, that's that is unfortunate for him Um, but it's going to be I'm also kind of interested to see how the Bears are going to round out this bottom of their roster kind of last minute ads if they're going to do anything they've had cap space they've been sitting on for a very long time so maybe they do nothing with that Um, But I'm interested to see if Ted Ginn can take over that position for Taylor Gabriel and just how everything is going to turn out. So let's move on to uh, the quarterbacks who supposedly are looking a lot cleaner than last year. Um, From my understanding, they're not looking necessarily overly flashy, but they're looking more efficient, making less mistakes. I still believe that Mitchell Trubisky has not thrown an interception in camp, which is 
really insane considering that it seemed like he was throwing three to two a day just last year. So it looks like Trubisky is doing something right with his improvements. Apparently Nick Foles, he hasn't looked quite as accurate as Trubisky, um, but the coaches still have been kind of hyping him up a little bit. But right now it looks like Mitchell Trubisky is looking to be the day one starter. So my one question to you, Reese, is how confident are you that we're going to actually see an increase in quarterback play and that that's going to make a valuable difference in this offense going into 2020? I don't know if I'm extremely confident. I think that maybe on a my hope is that they can at least be more efficient. You know, very much to what we talked uh, about just in this last segment with how important it is for your offense to be efficient. You know, I hope that, you know, whichever quarterback wins the battle, he says looking like Trubisky right now, can at least be more efficient with the ball. You know, at least hold on to time possession, be a little bit more responsible with it, which it sounds like Trubisky has improved in that right. Now, the other thing that just concerns me a bit, though, is, you know, I've heard that there's been a few mental lapses still from Trubisky, you know, notably a time where, you know, he ran out of ran out on the sideline in a goal line situation and took a sack instead of throwing the ball away. Good. Yeah, you know, still some mental errors, which, you know, I think that someone like Foles probably wouldn't, you know, have done something like that. But Trubisky still continues to do that, which is a bit concerning. You know, I, I don't think that we're guaranteed any level of better quarterback play. I think that if we, you know, if Nick Foles becomes a starter at some point, you know, we might see a, a bit of a raise in it, um, just surely off of how much more of the playbook, you know, can be used and just his deep knowledge of the offense. But I think, you know, with Trubisky, I think that we can expect to see a few things to change, you know, some improvements with, you know, how he handles the football and maybe a little bit, you know, stronger mentally. But I don't think he's going to, he really can come back as this completely different person, you know. But, you know, hopefully he proved me wrong with that statement. Yeah, and I think what we're still trying to diagnose right now is since we are still ramping up training camp and, you know, things aren't operating at a full full go yet, is I don't know if we quite can see if Mitchell Trubisky's mental game has developed. And I know we might see Nick Foles being a little bit less accurate and maybe making um, a little bit more safer plays than Mitchell Trubisky, maybe not quite the wow plays that Mitchell Trubisky makes. But we do know that he has the mental side of the game down, and that's still a big question mark on Mitchell Trubisky. Something that I thought was really interesting is it seemed like some of the reporters were kind of complimenting Mitchell Trubisky over the past couple of days, but Matt Nagy still seems to be kind of skeptical himself. So that's making me question whether or not behind the scenes he's understanding the playbook fully. Right. You know, of course, what we get to see like in practice and the clips that we get to see, you know, whether it be on YouTube, Twitter, if you're watching the live stream of the Bears camp, whatever way you're getting that information, it's still right. Like you said, not everything that we're seeing behind the scenes, what's going on after practice, which is really, you know, almost as important, you know, when it comes to breaking down film and all that, is Trubisky seeing what's happening? Is he actually able to read these defenses? That's still the big question out there that we really don't know. I mean, it's great that he's looking, you know, even better in person. And of course, that's what truly matters is how he plays on the field. But, you know, when all is said and done, does he even know what he's looking at defensive wise? Yeah, and at least we have faith that Nick Foles can do that. So it might actually put Matt Nagy in an interesting position where he knows the media may have been hyping up maybe the wrong quarterback, which I could see being a little bit of a conflict of interest and a difficult thing to handle for Matt Nagy. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you, it would be nice if the media was on his side, which, you know, we don't really know if he is or isn't. But, yeah, if he's pulling for Nick Foles and all of this and, you know, the media is getting behind Trubisky, you know, breaking that news to the fan base just becomes a little bit tougher. Okay, so finally on to our last segment of the show. We know this is probably going to be a little bit of a shorter show than normally. It seems like all of our episodes were going to be about an hour and five minutes long recently. We're kind of reverting back to our slightly shorter show time. How confident are you right now in this offense, and how confident are you in the Bears just in general? I think those are are two questions with a little bit different answers for me. I, I think I'm confident in the Bears. I think the Bears are going to have a, a very successful season. I expect them to, if they don't make it into the playoffs, to at least be, you know, fighting for it come the last week or the last two weeks, you know, be seriously in the mix for this. I, I think that the defense is going to perform very well. You know, special teams, I'm not quite sure what to expect there. I think the offense, you know, kind of getting into the first part of the question, I think I'm still a little bit on the fence. I, I think I truly will be until we actually start playing some real football. I can you know, at least seeing them against the Lions defense, even though they're not the best defense or even representative of what Trubisky struggled with. I mean, we talked about, um, you know, how they play man-to-man, and Trubisky seems to deal with that pretty well. I-, I think that, you know, at least seeing him against a defense that, you know, has not been practicing against him 24-7 and, and seeing how they react and how he reacts, more importantly, is going to be very interesting. I have, a, I have faith that they'll step up and, and get better. I think it's just... Almost it seems like they have to with how bad the offense was last year that, you know, almost anything would be a step up. So I reserved, but, you know, a little more confident than I was, you know, a little while ago about the offense, but confident overall in the Bears that they'll be make a very good push and uh, have a successful season. Honestly, my concerns have really shifted since training camp has started. It looks like, you know, the tight ends are going to be doing a pretty good job. It looks like we'll probably get some decent production from wide receivers. And the quarterbacks are being playing a little bit more mistake-free, right? If Trubisky can just play like Alex Smith or Nick Foles can just play like Alex Smith and distribute the ball and execute plays correctly, I believe that this offense is going to take a huge step forward. But my concern really right now lies in really where is this offensive line and where is this run game at? Are we going to see the same, you know disgusting display of offensive line play that we saw last year and also see the run game being highly inefficient because if that happens then we're going to struggle to develop the passing game you know everything's a balance a balancing act in the NFL so are we going to see the run game and offensive line be limited this year if so that's going to be difficult. That's going to put a lot of stress on Matt Nagy. That's going to put a lot of stress on our quarterbacks and no matter how much they improved offensive line can limit everything and I think you saw that a little bit with the Minnesota Vikings just how much their offensive line really held them back and if you look at really well-built teams you'll notice that their offensive lines are very sound and very stout I mean look at the Eagles when they won that Super Bowl the Patriots also did always did a decent enough job at constructing an offensive line producing offensive line talent and um it just it can really take a team from one of the best in the NFL to one of the worst. Look, the Jaguars when they had that huge offensive line decline, and um, it's just it, it it's an issue that can be a limiting factor across the board. So, if this offensive line can just play, you know, top twenty in the NFL, then yeah, I think that we we could have a, see a big step forward on offense. But 
if we're if our offensive line is still ranking at the bottom of the league statistically, that's going to be a major issue for us. So as far as offense goes, I am cautiously optimistic, leaning towards I think we are going to see a major improvement, but I can't say until we really see this offensive line because, hey, they're also going up against one of the best defensive lines in practice. So it's really impossible to look all that great. And then with the running game, cautiously optimistic about them. I'm still high on David Montgomery. Tariq Cohen offers something to this team that a lot of players uh, across the NFL don't offer with his explosive ability. But hey, we still are missing out certain aspects of our run game that I wish we had. So, you know, for the Bears... I think they're going to improve. I would say we still see them increase their win total this year. They should definitely increase their win total, but I don't know exactly how much so far. Yeah, and I think you know your concerns with the offensive line and the run game, you know, are shared you know by me, and I think it's definitely a, a major point to go along there. Like you said, you know, everything with the offense comes with it's a balancing act, and you know, one way to make whoever is. Uh, the starting quarterback's life a lot easier is to really get that run game nailed down so you can utilize parts of the offense like play action and go out there and hit some of those home run plays and be a bit more explosive of an offense. You know, it seemed like last year the Bears were very, you know, dink and dunk and but still not efficient. You know, they're they're going for a bunch of paper cuts, but they were only giving you like a thousand of them, not even a million of them. So, mm-hmm. you know, they weren't ever making much progress and they seemed ultimately out of rhythm, you know, getting some kind of rhythm in there, you know, with, you know, establishing a good run game, you know, working in some play action, working out a shotgun, you know, trying to spread the field out, giving the defense a little bit of everything, trying to keep them guessing, you know, ultimately is going to lead the Bears offense to be a lot more successful. But so much of that depends on what the offensive line can give, can give uh, David Montgomery and the Tariq Cohen and the rest of the running backs. And then ultimately, you know, what they can give Trubisky or Foles, you know, in that passing pass protection, which, you know, still wasn't the biggest issue. A lot of it became with awful run blocking, but there's still sometimes we saw a pass protection breakdown as well. Yeah. And I think something that you really highlighted and which is positive news from camp, we reported on it in our last podcast is just, it does look like the Bears offense is being much more efficient and effective and they're playing with a fire that they didn't have in last camp. So, you know, that's a huge positive for me and that gives me probably the faith to believe that this offense is going to in fact be improved next year. So I think that's going to go ahead and wrap up the podcast. Thank you guys so much for joining us once again. Reese, I don't know if you have any last final comments before we end off the show. No, I do not, you know, bear down and uh, hopefully, you know, the Bears stay healthy. It's a big thing throughout this camp and we can uh, start the season with as many healthy players as possible. Absolutely. And we will be back at you guys on next Wednesday. Um, And also look forward to a lot of improvements in the podcast coming in the near future. I know it might suck a little bit to have a little bit of decrease in content right now, but just know that this is an important break for us to be able to increase the quality of the content in the future. So thank you everyone and bear down.